This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 3 of 2023, Series 8, that happens to be. And I have no idea where to start. We've had the Super Bowl, we've had... The validators, we've had power lists that Craig Hutchison is central to. I know where to start, Hutchie, and I'm surprised to actually see you because Super Bowl was conducted yesterday in the States and unusually you weren't there. Hello, good morning. Hello to you. Hello, Damo. First world problem, isn't it, when you're angry with the world because you're not at the Super Bowl? And that was how I felt yesterday. (laughs) And I quickly gave myself a reality check that this that's a it's a privilege not a, not a right and uh, here I am so but before you jump off uh, travel yeah I, I do have it on good authority either today tomorrow you're heading somewhere else uh, international yes. no, I'm going to Delhi tomorrow for four days so the second test has been on my radar for a long time made a commitment a fair way out to a bunch of our partners to do a quick little in and out and never been to the subcontinent or never been to India in particular. So that how, will be... how are you going to go there, seriously? How are you going to cope with India? It'll be interesting. Yeah, It will be interesting. Yeah. I haven't been to India, but I, the... I can't visualise you in Delhi, Hachi. It'll be a cultural awakening, I'm sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm really interested in... So the so cricket is a huge part of our SEN world. We've got the cricket rights in Australia and New Zealand, and we've got some of the ICC rights around the world. And, and obviously India, I think it's something like... 81 cents in the global dollar in cricket is India. So if you haven't gone and had a look at the cricket side of things at very least in India and understood where your business might intersect with that opportunity or otherwise, then you're probably um, not doing the right thing by the business. And so, there's a little sell there, a little ad straight away off the top. Our, our cricket on the on the weekend um, outperformed the AFL grand final in terms of audience to give you some context of the interest in this Australia-India test series, albeit three days. I want to touch on some aspects of that, not necessarily the path you've just taken us down here, ambushed it with, with an ad and a, and a sell of ads, but um, I, want to, I, want to, I want to take you down and ask, get your views on what the bloody hell happened on field, but we might just park that for a little bit later yep. in the show. It's a bit specific I, I, to sport. I'll ask you a question. Hmm? This, this was in our Twitter feeds over the weekend. So seemingly the BCCI are behind the funding of the television broadcast over there. Like they're Huge billion-dollar business. I don't really understand as well as I intended by the time I come home on Monday, <laughs> by the way. You'll have it pulled apart and yep. you'll be central to it. But I saw a lot of commentary that in the first test, the so the, the alleged doctrine of the wicket, which Barat on our platforms began the debate on with his photo. It's fantastic old-fashioned pre-test match yep. storyline. Story. Yeah. And the and the, doc, the doctoring of the wickets, or uh, sorry, the doctoring of the ball. The ball, otherwise, yep. Didn't which, take off, though. Yeah. Which was uh, 25% of the match fee was... There was a suggestion that the broadcasters on television were loath to criticise or inject themselves in that because of their um, Ooh. the way that they were paid paid by the BCCI. And then we saw Michael Clark obviously get pitchforked out of the team after the reaction in India to the hamstring slash Calgate over the over the summer. So, Carlos, Carlos, Carlos. So tell me your views on that. Do you think that when the broadcaster funds the production? Yep that the commentators are, and particularly when there's such a disproportionate amount of money coming out of one country, that they are blinkered in their coverage. Look, I... Best you say this stuff because I might not be allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be, I think you know my views before you ask me. That, that, that's not how it's meant to be, is it? But having said that, if, if I think we all in our lives, and this is just not even a sports media comment I think I'm about to make here, I think we all get to a stage of it where you know where the bread's buttered, don't you? I, I think an element of, of that is at play, is clearly what you're saying there. And 
if that's what you sign up to, that's ultimately in the clause of your contract. You know, it's probably best not to sign the deal if if you want to. I think that, this is not rebel this against not an that India thing. This is everywhere. Right? It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Do you think- oh, we, we've touched on these types yeah. of angles before. Yeah, I'll give in the um, the FIFA story that one of our listeners referred us to yep. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the where cutaways. The cutaways yeah. of uh, Infantino in the crowd and how it was how it was an oblig not just a requirement of yep. the broadcast to, to run a shot of him. Yep. The counter argument to that is that the Australian us Australians as a, a bunch of whingers when it comes to media and sport. Like we first to complain about wickets and yeah, we do spinning and we can't train and and we yeah you know it's, uh, the world's against us and oh the, the global view of us in sport I'm sure at times is whinge about everything. Well, Channel Seven's a very when it comes to AFL and that, that's what we that's the code we think we know the most about. That's a very pro establishment coverage, isn't it? I hadn't thought about it that way. Please explain. Well, there's no critiquing of anything that goes on in a negative sense in a Channel 7 broadcast. Do you think so? Yeah. Everything's, you, everything's positive. Do you, do you really feel yes. so? You're saying 7 run a propaganda AFL broadcast? They're happy to highlight all the positives, yeah. But I, I think generally speaking, the, the broadcast of the game here is, yep. is of that nature. And the people who run this networks would rather be positive. But yep. I find 7 is always that way. So, and, and always has been. So and, let, and they will argue that's the right way to go about it. So let me ask you this question. You're running seven. Your biggest check by a mile is the AFL rights. Aren't you wanting your commentators to talk the game up, market, promote it, and grow it to benefit from it? But do you actually promote it? And I don't think you promote the game when you, when you broadcast now, that's, it. That's you, bit, you, you, you convince yourself you do, and the, and the, the game's controlling body convinces the, the broadcast I disagree does. with that. I think the way, I, the, the way the game is visually presented... It's fundamental to its success. You look at the Big Bash and Channel 10 days, they built it, really. Like, it's, we've talked about that before. I think it's a huge part of the success. Actually, this, we're talking about a hundred and, what is it now, 130-year-old yeah. competition. If, I mean, it hasn't been broadcast for 130 yeah. years, but it's been big-time TV money now for 20-plus years. I, I don't think, I don't think you grow in the game on the on the host broadcaster anymore. Well, I think you do. Well, and, how are you growing it? It, The numbers but, are down, Hutchie. Well, they're not, they're failing if you want to use that but, parameter. But I, I have a different view with you. I think when there is a tough issue, they tackle it well. They've got some serious news journalists that underpin that. Now, the news journalists are separate Tom to what I'm talking Mitch. about. No, no, no. no do but they, they, use, they use in broadcast? They do. That, Hutchie, that, that's very separate what I'm talking about. Well, it's not. They, they use them in the broadcast. So I have, I have a different view of that. Anyway, we got a little bit off track. There. We probably did, actually. Speaking hey, of that, um, before, way, while we're talking about people being photographed and requirements of broadcasters, there was a, a shot that was released. I, I didn't see the Super Bowl yesterday. I had other things on. But um, there, there was a, a shot released of uh, Rupert Murdoch sitting next to Elon Musk, which was broadcast. It was a still shot of the broadcast. Now, would that have been a requirement of... <laughs> There's a lot of people, by the way, wondering how you couldn't fit Watching the Super Bowl into 22 weeks of annual leave right now. The maths going. <laughs> no. I just got 150 days off a year, and he had a few things on on Super Bowl Monday. I immersed Couldn't myself have the summer a bit better than that. I immersed myself into into weeks, yeah. as they call it in yeah. the NFL. I reckon weeks. Let's go with say six to 14. Like I'm, I'm totally all in. I don't do anything else. And then it gets to the point of the season, and I'm, I'm busy. No, I had a um, I had a funeral to attend yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry. You have a, have a, yep. have a, an old, a very old mate who's um, yeah. Anyway, that's not not my mate, my, my, my mate, my, a family mate. My apologies. Um, yep. Don't uh, rich people find each other? Rich, powerful people. To see R- Rupert and Elon sitting next to each other was uh, ridiculous. <laughs> in the fact that you just didn't think anything of it, right? But but that again, I, I can't imagine the host broadcaster running that shot without it being known to Rupert Murdoch that that it was. Going to a be run and and at the precise time, who are you? We know we've talked about this before. When the celebrities go to the Aussie Open tennis, 
they know that after the break, when it's when it's three three two in the first set. Coming out of that break, that is when we are going to have that little candid shot and act as though you don't know the camera's on you, but that's precisely the moment the camera's on you. We know that. That's how they get this, the good seats to the tennis. That would have happened yesterday, Hachi, in my eyes. So he has strategically chosen to sit himself next to Elon Musk at that precise moment. In my eyes, Hachi. What do you think? They've, he's asked the broadcaster to take the shot. The broadcaster, it wasn't a Fox broadcast yesterday, was it? In Probably wasn't the States, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, again, I don't even I, know. I think the cynicism's kicking. I did... You did mention about the uh, Lachlan Murdoch on the weekend. Is that for public consumption? Yeah, it is. Um, did you say to me on the weekend, well, you, you said to me. No, no, I've got to find who, who sent me this information first. You so, yeah. said that the yes. Herald Sun were covering. Were we talking about this in public? The, was it, was this, oh, wasn't just, this just a text I I'll sent you? i with it. You told me on the weekend that the Herald Sun were covering the Bucks party that Gil McLaughlin attended, not disclosing that Lachlan Murdoch was hosting the Bucks party. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having a crack at Gil for being away. I thought I told you that privately. Gallivanting. And he's a guest of his biggest client, Lachlan, <laughs> who owns the paper that's published in. Well, that's, Is that right? Well, I, look, Come on, that can't be right. Well, that's what I got told from someone inside the camp, Archie. It's like, well, you inside got, the camp. You, you but, are, I, I, but having said that, I said that to you, and I haven't thought about it since, and I haven't checked it out. Yep. But I do. I can't imagine why the person would have sent it to me without it well, being right. The thing, the lens I have to run on these things these days is this. <laughs> because of your continual... Um, Pops at news. Oh, hang on. Here we go again. You're, for the 15th time in a row, you're raising the Herald Sun as a topic. You load me up, you get me worked up, and then 10 minutes later, you tell me I'm cynical and sceptical. What you have done now is we've broken that threshold where you attract all the whistleblowers. <laughs> like the, you know, the old police days oh, with Constable Carl Conrad? I haven't reached that stage uh, in my life, have I? You've become the, the go-to for whistleblowers. Oh, no. I'm in trouble. So when anyone in, inside the camp, as you put it, has a, how about this? They reach out to you and say, don't, didn't come from me, Damo, but uh, you might find. <laughs> well, you well, become the whistleblower that's magnet. That's how that text came through. <laughs> you become, <laughs> become the whistleblower but magnet. But I didn't check it out, so I don't know if it's right, but I can't imagine it being relayed in the way it was on the back of <laughs> on the back of Killer McLaughlin being targeted for daring to go overseas with a mate. So if it's A, your mate's Bucks party, and B, Lachlan, your, your biggest check. Runs the organisation you're publishing the, the work in. Of course you're going. How can you not go? It's offensive not to go. <laughs> anyway. Hey, speaking uh, of the Herald Sun, by the way, shout, oh, out, shout, out, shout out to the truck, Johnny Ralph, who clearly doesn't listen, uh, because just one day after I lifted the lid on the validator. <laughs> so just, just back over the validator and the manufacturer. Yep. <laughs> I always love it when you um, give titles to, to practices and, and, and titles to people within practices. And last week, out of nowhere, and you often think of these things in a split second and you, then you go with it. So last week, you introduced two new terms to our listeners, one being the validator, one being the manufacturer, yep. relating to how people are presented within articles and within media uh, presentations to support said arguments within stories. Is that a fair summation? That's of, it. And what yep. we might do, James, just drop the validator and manufacturer as a separate pod so people can have it as a term of reference. Uh, ongoing, and if you don't know what we're talking about, just saves us backing over it every time you can go back and have a listen. But the validator is when you try and run a opinion through someone else's voice and you over-inflate their, um, or inflate their reputation as and, as you introduced them. We got validated, as you know, last week. So, Ralphie's gone with this. You, you, I was a veteran and you were a, what, a super podcaster or something. There's a little little bit of manufacture about this as well, but a lot of validate. <laughs> So Jack Ginnivan's clearly just drifting into clickbait areas, I think. He's got the early signs of being like a there's a bait run going to come here, I think. He's going to be bait-worthy for a long time. And so you need to get a little bit of, you know, how can we get a bit of Jack in early before the season? Yep. Ralphie's gone, I got this. 
And most people bury the validate in about paragraph three or four, you know. Oh, right, okay. So yeah. X person, comma, who played 270 outstanding games for X club, comma. Yep. But Ralphie just decided to validate you right off the top. <laughs> Goal-kicking great Stephen Milne has backed Jack Ginnivan <laughs> to avoid a third-year slump. As remarkable stats highlight the Collingwood live-eyes role as one of the footy's most lethal forwards. Goal-kicking great. And the headline, great reveals key area where Ginnivan can gain respect. <laughs> now, questions. Is Stephen Milner goal-kicking great? Yep. Think yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is it smack you off the top of the story, goal kicking great? Is it John that's John a John Coleman like setup, isn't it? Well, it's it's what we were taught back in the in my case, Archie, very late eighties, your case early nineties. Uh, if you want to um write a story about someone, you you're best to go and get someone who's an expert in that field. Yep. So it's just an older presentation of that type of work. I, so, I don't have an issue with this one. The editor says, I wouldn't mind something on Jack. Can you trawl over his stats, see if you can find an angle here, and then see if you can find me someone yeah. who, who we can click, who can just sort of validate. Oh, yeah, I might, I'll ring, uh, who I ring? I might ring Phil Matera. No, he probably doesn't work. I might <laughs> ring Dakes. Uh, he's probably a bit close to home with Nick. <laughs> what about Milne? Yeah, Milne, yeah, well, he's a very good player. No, he's a goal-kicking great. <laughs> I reckon we can work that in early. So, well, that's my validator of the week. Well done, and thanks to everyone who sent that to me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he make the top fifty, Ruffy? In Ashley Brown's um, power rankers, I, saw, I was busy yesterday. I told you that yesterday, Archie, but I, I kept getting text messages from people. You were on a list somewhere yesterday. And I'm assuming, I'm just assuming Ashley Brown released his his um, top whatever it is he does every single year about this time of of power people, of the rankings of power people. So, did that release yesterday? Because you were on it somewhere. People kept reminding me you're a bit higher, or a bit lower. I can't remember what this they were telling me. Sound a little. Um, self-serving, but I wanted to launch a very passionate defence of Ash Brown here. Ash designed the top 50 for the AFL record. And he released it yesterday. Long ago. Yep. Long before. He, we, he obviously released 2023 yesterday. No. Long before we owned the publication. There was a power ranking list somewhere yesterday. Ash has owned this. He did it for AFL.com and AFL record historically, and it's been Ash's thing. He spends the summer on it. He works incredibly hard at it, and he's without fear or favour in how he presents it. Yeah. Right? But like everything in media, I think as much as it is Ash's idea the last 15 years in AFL, I think it was an idea that he may have got from another publication many, many I think the Herald Sun used to do one. He's owned this for a long time. He has. So he's released the 2023 numbers, has he? No. The Herald Sun dropped their own yesterday. Well, the Herald Sun did one. Why do you have to be? Well, they did one yesterday. Sometimes you're just downright nasty. They, 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 I was off the loop, out of the loop yesterday. I was, I had to drive a a long way to this funeral I was referring to, Hutchie, and I I was, I was out of action the whole day. Great clickbait content, and it does draw drive audience, and no, no no problem with the effort to do it. But it is Ash's thing. It'd be like someone else doing Mike Sheen's top (laughs) fifty, wouldn't it? It'd be like all of a sudden. Are you trying to be funny now yourself? It'd be like someone else because Robbo does try and do that. Mike Sheen's top 50. That's Mike's. <laughs> I think you just accidentally said something and you, you didn't realise you were having a crack at someone there. And bad luck to you. Next and don't you, ask Jane to take that next out later on. you tell me they've passed that down through the paper to someone else to do. <laughs> oh, serious. <laughs> no. Hang on. So humor aside. That list that I kept getting yeah. messages about yesterday because you were on it somewhere, that wasn't Ashes. So we've talked about this over the years and we talked about it from our, our lens. Like when you are the author of the top 50 and you've, it's a subjective list, You've got 
a real problem. And then, Messy like, problem. Remember the day when? Remember the time when AFL.com did it? I think it was Ash, and they left out one of the commissioners. Who <laughs> was the head of? Who had the media portfolio? Yeah, and of I course, think, the furor. I think a phone call was made, <laughs> yeah. and I think there was an amendment. Next year, it was up with a silver bullet <laughs> in the top of ten. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, I do recall it blew that. Up. Oh well, I, I recall hearing something. Yeah. So, so. So, so the, the problems you've got because you've Sam Lansberger had you, the same problem yesterday. We've got personal relationships you need to, yeah. to look after, don't you? But as we discussed it a few times, sometimes you're better off presenting to the public you've got a bad relationship with said person to make the public don't or think you, you don't speak yes. to that person. See, Sam Landsberger missed an, a great opportunity yesterday. It's called the disguiser. <laughs> so, the disguiser is this someone who is very good to you, who gives you lots of information, and who you need to keep sweet. You ring them in advance and you say, look, it's going to look too obvious if I put you at one. <laughs> Who was at one? Were you at one? Jeff Brown was at one. Jeff Brown was at one. So what we're going to do... I'd probably put Jeff Brown at one. Oh, please. Jeff, Jeff, I love Jeff more than anyone. I'll tell a Jeff Brown story in a minute, but he's not number one most powerful person in football. Let's be clear. <laughs> and you've got to decide... Disc- you'd, you'd put the CEO of McDonald's or Toyota at this number one in, the way, in your world. It'd be, it'd be someone who gives you money. So, so that would be your disguiser. I don't think a club president, no disrespect to Jeff because he's one of the best club presidents, is the number one in the game. Yep. Having said that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting that Jeff's the disguiser target here, but Sam's, you've got to bury your guys and girls. <laughs> or don't put them in at all. Yeah, you've got to, or you've got to get them on board that you're going to be ranked about 10 spots lower. <laughs> so it takes a bit of diversion away from the fact that we've got a good relationship and we're coexisting here to help each other. <laughs> and he hasn't done the pre-work, I don't think. He's it's just like got... all those Herald Sun journals. We, we highlighted this in last year's trade period. You know, uh, Paul Connors, he works for Connors Sports Management and Comet, the best manager in the world. Like, it, just continually yep. endorsing. Second thing, second problem he had in his hands, he had two, we had three major problems, I think, going into this. <laughs> Right. Can I just lay these out? Problem number one, where does he land Blunden in a really yeah. respectful way yep. um, without offending him? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and others within the news organization, a news limited organization. Problem number two, yeah. <laughs> how, how do we not wound, wound Robbo on the way through? <laughs> And problem I'm glad no- you're doing this and not me. I didn't even know this. He was on it. Okay. And problem- you're in trouble here today, not me. This is good. No, these, are, these are obvious questions. And problem number three, how do I land Carol on the list in a, in a, in a semi-respectful manner without offending my colleagues here who are annoyed that she's outranked them, even though I work alongside them, but yet still not uh, put low enough where I'm actually taking the mickey? There are three issues going in. They're the only three issues, are they? Do you reckon that's fair? <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt they're the three issues going in because whatever you do, if you'd put Blunden one, everyone goes, oh, you're sucking up to the boss. If you'd put him 40, you've offended him. Offended <laughs> and if he's not in there at all, well, all hell will break out. Yeah, and then you've got other editors who go, well, this, he's not not just entirely Peter contributes to the paper. There's well, he doesn't now because because of yeah. that campaign that we highlighted about against the Aussie Open. He clearly yep. doesn't trash then, his own town's products, like like when he was in charge, he never would do that. And then Robbo, the chief football reporter of the Herald Sun, there's an argument that he's, it's your publication, you must view him as an important role, <laughs> and he is in essence the leader of your sports footy division. So you, there's no spot you put Robbo where it... Where were you anyway? Hey, I've had enough of this. Didn't, even, didn't even look. Yes, you, well, you were in there because I kept getting messages. I just assumed it was actually Brown's thought, list. Caro at 33 is clearly too low, right? If it was our list, Caro's in the top 10 or... Top fifteen. Who, who would be number one on, you, on your on the that, standing board? Given that Caro is perceived to be their biggest competitor, I thought he handled the Caro issue 
about as well as he could. <laughs> Sam. But I don't, I don't even know. At least he had his bio. I don't, I don't even really want to know the answer to this, but wherever you put Robbo, you know he, it's going to be too low in Robbo's eyes. Well, of course. It, like human self-interest wins every race. <laughs> Tell me anyone who's got any sense of perspective on themselves in the, in the media world. Um, you, your Verity score's up, clearly, isn't it, this year? Uh, it, we've talked about this for a while. Oh, that's the, the other the, thing. So I would, I'd have rather been used in the picture than the ranking. Well, you were used in the picture. Wow. Someone screenshot that's a, that's a and sent to me. It's a Verity audit, isn't it? That's the picture. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Well, it must have been oh, because I, all I saw was these screenshots yesterday of your, your, your head on one of them with yep. this power ranking. Yep. And then how does it go that I... Week before, look, got time for a coffee, Robbie? <laughs> Mate, look, as you know, I'm doing this top 50. <laughs> look, there's no easy way through this for both of us. How do you feel? You Where, where would you put yourself? Look, I'm trying to balance off, you know, not being seen to be too supportive of us. And, you know, I've got the Caro thing to deal with. I was thinking around 20. But I'll make sure i got some, you know, the Waitleys of the world behind you. <laughs> does that work for you? <laughs> yeah. or, does he just, or does he just blast in and go, Mate, cop this. <laughs> how, how does the politics because you've, you've worked on that desk how do the politics of that I go I don't care enough to talk about it Hutchie to be totally honest with you we've somehow just done that for five so so is Ashley still doing his after all that well, I hope so he's it, just the real authentic and long time list so you, well, he's got the problem with where he puts you in that hasn't he no I've been a big slider in <laughs> and, and you know what my connection to footy is Less than it's ever been. Like, I don't belong in any of those lists. Oh. Um, it was a taking out the trash this week of, of, a, of a quite significant nature, Hutchie. Disney. Yes. And this was sent to us by someone who does listen to us. And here it is here. Very well picked up by this person, too. I don't, I don't think the person wants his or her name referenced. And if he or she does, i sorry for not attributing. Um this is one for the sounding board. Taking out the trash. Disney announcing three new family movies in production at the same time as it announces 7,000 job cuts. Taking out their own trash to their own good news. That's a very good, I feel, take on, on what Disney did last oh, week, Kachi. Those stories came out at the same time. Well, what happens, it's a classic taking out the trash tactic. You wrap the bad news up in, the, in a good or bigger news story. And you just take it out in a bigger bag, basically. Because <laughs> so, then you've got a 50% chance of the new movie catching the the eye of the editors around the place and not just the job cuts. It's not a long shot, but at least you're, you're having a... Like, sometimes you've got to... Um, when you're taking out trash demo, you've actually got to be able to... Um, you've got to pork barrel it. You've got to bundle it. You've got to get the bill through the house. You've got to get some <laughs> other stuff on the end of it. And the three movies that they're making... Probably was the uh, was a good attempt. Uh, Feel for those people who lost their roles, though. By the way, at Disney, and that's uh, there's a little bit of a trend, obviously, in media yeah. around the world on this at the moment. So, not ideal for our industry. Yeah, it's something at News Limited too, unfortunately, too, isn't it? I saw something during the week. A lot of jobs going to be lost. I don't know what breakdown it was in terms of um, the media slash newspaper or news arm of it, but another number of jobs going down. Hutchie, Australian cricket. Just well, let's just talk specifically about the cricket itself. How? Poorly performed was Australia in that first test in India. It was a poor, poor test. It's. Do you, can you think of a sport where venue is such a bigger driver on the outcome as cricket? Um, that's a good. Particularly, I mean, it's not a secret to say the uh, the Indian pitches have always been an issue for uh, for Australians. And their preparation was very light. Like it was only six days earlier at the border medal and. 
yeah. running around congratulating each other. And you know, back to earth with the thud, eh? No lead-up games. But there's, a, there's an element of, I think, mind power over it, which I don't think we're prepared to to, to yep. endure. And then I want to say, I'm talking about just, just old-fashioned Allen Border style, I'm not getting out. No, I'm just not getting out. There's none of that, is there? I no. mean, that, some blokes didn't even last the ball. Probably. I mean, I, poor old Matty Renshaw. I mean, he, he was out. He, he, he wasn't out there, wasn't out there for 30 seconds. Preparation was poor, though, wasn't it? Like, you can't. Yeah, but you're allowed to get bat on ball. You're allowed to, to move around in your crease to not what? hit be hit in line with the stumps in an LBW. What would have happened in the Sheffield Shield days? I was, <laughs> well, well, it I, wouldn't have. <laughs> I was laughing about you yesterday, actually. I was listening to Simon O'Donnell bemoan the fact that he went to a Victorian game, but they don't open the car parks at the MCG for the uh, Victorian Shield game, so he, he had nowhere to park. He drove around the G five times <laughs> and went home as a former captain. I used to cover Simon O'Donnell playing cricket at the MCG with with seven other spectators in the entire stadium, yep. but the, par- the car parks are open. Yep, so the car parks are down. So there you go. But, and also too, so we take a few spinners across, and the Todd Murphy story, what a beautiful story that was. Um, Nathan Lyon's got a few issues. We've got another spinner in the in the squad in Ashton Agar, who, who you choose to take over after getting belted in the most recent test in Australia. He's on the books. He's over there, but I oh know. We've got to fly another spinner before the second test that you're about to attend. Kuhneman from the from know, Queensland. I don't really understand the Swepson situation either. I read that he is coming home for the birth of his child, which is absolutely fair and reasonable. Well, and, why go? But like, well, well I, actually, I shouldn't say that because I, I don't comment on, on family birth matters because you don't know the circumstances around them. So I'll take that back. But I'm talking about Ashton Agar. Yeah. He's there. Why, mean, why take him? Well, if you... If you knew that Swepson was about to become a parent and it was important to him and it was to possible it. to come home, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why you would have taken him in the first place. Yeah. But but why are you taking Agar at all if you're not choosing to play him when you now need a spinner yeah. who's on the ground? They, just, they lost trust quickly, didn't they? Very in, quickly. In five days in the training and in the... And look, I, I don't mind bold selection calls, but it's it's as bold as we've seen to take out someone who was as in form as, as Travis Head. Now, I know historically his performances on those pitches is yep. questionable. Last year. So, so I get all that. But you're allowed to, I think, in life, and, and I saw Mark Taylor make, the I thought, the perfect comment. Damien Martin once had issues in that space and became one of the all-time great Australian cricketers by, by again, having some Alan Border style of resolve to work way through problems. And, and Travis Head wasn't even given the chance to do that. Do you think Head will play instead of Warner this weekend? It's possibly open. Uh, to it? open. I'd yeah. never thought of that. And I didn't mind the selection of Hanscom because, I mean, Hanscom ultimately replaced Head. People thought it was Renshaw. Renshaw played in the last test in Australia. We've got a bit specific there, haven't we, in oh sports? Sorry. It was a cricket crunch time. 1992 sort of passion <laughs> levels for cricket then. And I'm, so, I'm glad I've still got the passion levels for cricket. I didn't There's think the, I did. The Sheffield Shield rounds been in here. Um, Nick Revold's become a source of fascination for a lot of people, hasn't he? Yeah, he's become. Well, he did a great job on the on the ESPN. Did he, again, I, I didn't see it. So I'm, I'm aware he was on. So what was it? Was was that the ESPN? Because you told me this in, in one of the text, text messages you sent me yesterday that there was. The yeah. lead up to the Super Bowl was an Australianized. Please tell me they didn't do that. Yeah, ESPN created an Australian window for the Super Bowl. So the, why? Because they they want to be able to use their biggest asset and localize it per market. And I suppose that that's the last thing I would have wanted yesterday. The, to, the absolute last thing as a consumer yesterday. To be honest, I'm the same. I I want the voyeuristic American version of the Super Bowl. That's what I want. And I don't want. The, I'm glad I missed it now. I don't want the local Australian window with people that are there 
like, and they're doing. So out, who? So who was it? And again, this is not. This is not. I don't even, out of out of breaks. I'm not. I'm not putting these people down because they're just doing their yeah. jobs. So, but who? Tell me who it was. I'm actually not even sure. Who but was Nick Reaver on that? On that part? He, I saw him on the pre-show. Yeah. But so, was, so it wasn't an American audience he was going I, to. The time you spoke about when he was first on ESPN, I don't. I think that may have been a broader version than just Australia. But yesterday there was there was definitively an Australian only version that he was on. And he was part of that okay. pre- pre-game. He was on the concourse doing interviews about how the Australian's going to go today and all that sort of stuff. And then, Who cares? And then in and out of breaks, they'll say, whether you're watching in Sydney or in Tassie or in like, all that sort of localised stuff. Oh. On the sidelines, there was some... Now, I would... Un- so the counter-argument to that is they're able You'd to... You'd only milk the, Austra- the Australians playing angles so long, Hutchie. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. One bloke doesn't touch the football. It it's a great story. I'm not yeah. taking away from the story. I love the Jordan Mulata story. I love the Aaron Sipos story, but you can't sell that for too long. I'm sure ESPN would argue, look, it's our biggest asset. We're entitled to put local windows in, and we're entitled to build local commercial relationships oh, in those windows. So I, I get the counter-argument. I would have come back for the start of the game. Personally, I like to watch to sit in on the big well, we stuff. we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's – but anyway, that's, they're investing in, in Australian content, which is which is good. Um now, we forecast this last week. We flagged this last week. Chat GPT is taking over the world. Now, we, we've got a semblance of an idea of it. Yep. I would imagine our idea of it is probably nothing um, like what it actually is. So basically artificial intelligence allowing content to be created on basically the, the promptings of a, of a few words. Is that Have I sort of roughly summarised what? Oh, I'd call it a is? computer program designed to stimulate conversation with human users over the internet. And you'd call it that because Jane's written that on the um, – Yes, she has written that exact phrase on the uh, running sheet there. Is that what you'd call it? No, that was just the top of my head. <laughs> so what we said we'd do last week is, and, and Jane is, is going to do this, and she suggested this during the week as well. We're just going to throw up a couple of ideas and just see how chat GPT works for those yep. who have got no idea about it. Yep. Of okay, which so we're, we're going to do this in real time. We're going to do this in real time. So Jane um, Jane has prepared some. That, if, if this doesn't work, she's got some that we... We should we, run this past me first. Yeah, I know. I didn't want you to know about this. I didn't know. So I just want you, Jane, now tell me if this works as a, as a search or as a, as a mechanism to illustrate. Is, your, your fear is this could kill journalism. Uh, no, no, I don't. Because my, my, my take on it is you still need to know what you're presenting to the public to, to be right. And I, I, I don't think you can with this. In 15 years' time, Hutchie, no one's going to care, I don't think, what's presented to the public. <laughs> and, and whatever we are doing right now will, will not be what we're doing in 15 years' time when it comes to media presentation. But, Jane, if I was to say um, – I mean, do I need to make a statement and then the, the copy spins out or spits out, or do I need to ask a question? And well, the... You can ask a question, but okay. chat GPT is very much sitting on the fence. So it's not going to say, yes, Damien Barrett is the 45th most influential journalist <laughs> in the AFL. So... If I was to say um, – okay, let's, let's use Hachi and his ownership of the Perth Wildcats, which has been a, a good, I think, good narrative for our listeners over the journey. Do I ask a question or do I do I pose a statement oh, in relation boy. to that? You can do either. All right. Do traditional Perth Wildcats fans like Craig Hutchison? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll make sure I spell his name right. I'm yeah. like, ooh, no, didn't like your question, Damo. Um as in nothing comes up. <laughs> An error occurred. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll just punch in. Sure did. Uh, Craig Actually. Hutchison, comma, owner, Perth Wildcats. Or this, is, this was always going to potentially work this way, Hutchie, which is why we've got some we made earlier. The Curiosity Show as a kid, remember? Here's okay. one we prepared a little earlier. <laughs> Sorry, question again, Damo? Uh, is a question, okay. Um, is Craig Hutchison a good owner of Perth Wildcats? I don't like this at all, Damo. I wish you'd run this past me. 
Great radio, Dama. I'm an AI language model and I cannot make subjective judgments oh, no. about individuals. I However, think... Craig Hutchison is a well-known Australian <laughs> media personality and businessman who has owned and operated multiple businesses, including a basketball team. The success of his ownership of a basketball club would depend on various factors, such as the team's performance, financial stability and fan engagement. So it doesn't want to give opinions, clearly, at this stage. No. So, so it's not going to be clickbaiting at this stage, Hutchie, <laughs> chat GPT. Well done, Damo. That was a riveting piece of podcast work. But uh... What was the one we did prepare earlier, Jane? We did prepare So one. I actually asked ChatGPT if Craig Hutchison was a media mogul. Oh, yeah. Craig Hutchison is a media personality and <laughs> businessman in Australia. He is the co-founder and CEO of Croc Media. So we can already tell that its info input is a couple of years out of date because SEN not mentioned. A leading sports media company in Australia. He is also a prominent commentator and journalist was and has worked for several major media outlets in Australia. So while he is not a media mogul in the traditional sense of the term, he has made significant contributions to the media industry in Australia and is well known and respected in the field. I think when the word personality got used, that was where I, where I thought I knew they were off, off the mark. I've never been called a personality before. Hey, uh, Jane, we'll move last, off. last one Shane on this, GP, I think. Does Luke Beveridge like Damien Barrett? <laughs> be mine. Pop that in as you go. Um, I've got to say, Damo, I did ask it to try and do a sliding doors on if Gillan McLaughlin leaves oh, yeah. the AFL. It oh. couldn't compute. No, there you go. Sliding that, doors. That column's safe as well. As an AI model, I do not have access yep, to the personal go. thoughts and feelings of Luke Beveridge, <laughs> the coach of the Western Bulldogs in the Australian Football League. Therefore, I cannot determine if he likes Damien Barrett, a well-known Australian sports journalist and commentator. It's important to remember that personal relationships between individuals are private. And it's not, not appropriate one. to speculate or make assumptions <laughs> this one. without direct evidence or statements. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm detecting a theme yep. from ChatGPT. It doesn't want, it just wants to sit on the fence at the moment. So it, I think a lot of journalists are safe here for a while, Hutchie. Have we proven that? I well, hope we did prove if, something out of the last five can, minutes of if content. If ChatGPT can continue to sit on the fence the way that does, it's big chance to get a plum job in the media. <laughs> um, I did love, we had an email though from Luke Hoare just during the week who asked ChatGP to write a sports article about GWS player Jason Gilby and his milk-loving um, aspects that we spoke of last week on the podcast. And it was great. You could have easily printed this with a little bit of copy editing. So thanks, Luke. Just before Jane leaves us, Damo, who's doing a great job producing our podcast, can I ask Jane a question as a mum and as a forward-thinking um Feminist? Member of our community. Feminist? No. I read this online and it was confronting to read and I thought I'd love to get Jane's view on this. So can I just ask you one question before sure. you, you go back to the to the, the producing role? Um, baby boxes in Kentucky. First infant in Kentucky surrendered anonymously at baby box. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Kentucky has since first infant anonymously dropped off at one of its baby box safe surround locations. At a news conference on Friday, Safe Haven Baby Boxes founder and CEO Monica Kelsey said the child was dropped off within the last seven days at a Bowling Green Fire Department location. Fire Department were able to attend to the child in less than 90 seconds. Uh, Safe Haven Baby Boxes founder said the child is the 24th in the country to be surrendered at one of more than 130 baby boxes and drawers the organisation has established across nine states. As a as a as a as a, I guess, a parent and as a member of the community, that is a confronting read that America is now moving into baby boxes to drop off kids who have no other path forward. Um, 
but I, I just realised how um, out of my depth was in forming a view on this or having an opinion. So, can you, as a mum, what's your view on on uh, the the idea of baby boxes? I hate when anyone starts a sentence as a mother. Um, I I found that quite confronting too. Just your description of that and the the visual image of a box that you would put a baby yeah. in. However, I think it's been happening since the birth of time and people have done that forever and ever, whether it was a monastery or a, you yeah, know, religions, a church. Yeah. Yeah. Fire stations traditionally. So while you think, has it come to that? Well, it's a reflection on society, isn't it, that there aren't other options before the moment that child is born. I would say that no mother or father gives up a child lightly. So if someone has gotten to that point where they are going to abandon a child, wouldn't you rather that they did it? Uh, from what I understand, there's actually alarm systems in the boxes. Because can you imagine as a first responder how heartbreaking it would be oh if you just find a box outside of a fire station and the baby's dead or really seriously damaged? Isn't it better to do it and give that person who I'm sure hasn't quickly made that decision the chance to actually make sure that kid is safe? So I'm actually in favour. The Governor, Damo, signed a law in 2021 that allowed the use of baby boxes for children less than 30 days old. The law requires the boxes to be located at police stations, fire stations and hospitals for staff 24 hours a day. It also requires equipping them with a notification system to alert the first responders on site that a child has been placed in the box. Mm. How how confronting is that to deal with? Yeah. What's the alternative? Like children being left in a crack house somewhere and dying? I just don't know. I don't know enough about it. I just, I couldn't mm. believe when I when I read it, and I just wondered how how you all felt. That was all. So I thought I'd... you feel sick reading. Yeah, yeah the outcome and, well, and that the really reasons went behind it. Dark real quick, Hutchie. No, it was, it's these are important yeah. issues, and I just I can't imagine what path we would take forward here in Australia. There must there'll be a, a deeper reason for this. But anyway, thank you, Jane, for mm. for your thoughts. I might go back to um, something we talk about more regularly, Hutchie, and something that that is nowhere near as serious. But the uh, racing Victoria situation. Oh, here we go. Oh, well. Here we go. Well, I've, I've you're obsessed. I'm obsessed with Peter Volandis, but but obsessed. My, my obsession levels, I reckon, are about one one thousandth of the obsession levels of him from Victorian racing people who who do not know how to handle him. I only half read the story. Was it? It was the Supreme Court action because, or some legal. You better set this up properly, actually. Well, James O'Doherty wrote a, an article in the News Limited. Um, papers during the course of the week, uh, bombshell doc. And, and again, I, I think the way it was presented in Melbourne was different to the way it was presented in Sydney, Hutchie, which is often the case in, yep. in, in a generic type of story. Uh, bombshell documents reveal a plot for the racing authorities of Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia and Queensland to exile racing New South Wales and its boss, Peter Volandis, by setting up a breakaway body. Now, again, there's spin-offs to this. Um, there may well have been um, some, some deliberate and strategic leaking of certain documents. PVL, our man, or my man, uh, has chosen to seek those documents, as far as I can tell, as a, as a uh, counter to some of the uh, action going on behind the scenes. But what, seriously, what would, what would South Australian racing be able to do against Peter Volandis? It's got no clout at all. I mean, I love Queensland racing, but what would it be able to do against him? Victoria can't handle him. Victoria nearly changed the Cox plate date to help him without realising it was going to help him. And now, I've, and now they've backed away on that, I think, too, by the sound of it. So I just like throwing it up to you, Hutchie, knowing, <laughs> knowing that you can't comment because you're, uh, I think it's fair to say you're conflicted, but I just, there's a story every week that just goes to show he is playing everyone off a break. 
He's his own man. That's that's we're seeing that in the NRL negotiations where he hasn't given a lot of lot of ground either. So yeah, I, I must admit I haven't read, read it fully, but I will will have a read. So there's a there's a new boss of Victorian Racing, Racing Victoria, and his name's Andrew Jones, yep. I think. Yeah, Andrew Jones, yeah, doing, doing a good job. Is he? Yeah, I'll, he's comes. What's with, he done? He comes with a fresh energy and perspective on the industry, I think. But what's he done? He, he's thrown out this debate to the public too. about the Cox Plate, and they he, seem to be backing it away. They seem a, to be doing the beep. He's only just got there. Beep beep. This is too big. Yeah. And then, so I love this too. It's a bit like Essendon Footy Club saying that um, we don't know what drugs our players were given, but guess what? We do know they weren't illegal. There's a bit of that sentiment in this statement. Racing Victoria won't comment on matters before the court, but we will vigorously contest Racing New South Wales claims, Racing Victoria Chief Executive Andrew Jones said on Monday. But then he goes on. We believe they have no case, but Australian Racing is the loser. We're confident in the strength of our case. We're not going to comment, but we say there's no case. Well, yeah, but that's how it starts. You, you know how those calls go, right? I'm not going to comment, not going to comment. And then the journalist needles or throws a line out and you correct No, no, it was very presented, that yeah. statement. That's a... That's yep. a yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll have, a, I'll have a good look at it during the week and I'll give you an oh, yeah. informed view next <laughs> All week. Right. But once again, has he just got everyone... I think he does some things just to amuse himself. I think he's... He's now got the entire racing nation against him and he couldn't be happier. I think he's fantastic for racing. He is. I, I really do. No, this, this has been my point from yep. day one. He... he he has revolutionised that state's racing and through, are, through the introduction of the You Everest. are a little obsessed with him, that's for sure. Well, he's. Uh, I'd like to have know someone else who's as influential in a, in a business sports sense. Yep. Um, what head to question of the week? On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. But you might just make it a generic um, question to you about uh, the Tom Morris story of last week. And I say generic because a lot of people have uh, sent in questions, Dean Atticott for one. Uh, there, are, there are numerous other people with their views on it. So some, are, some are making statements, some are asking questions. But um, as you can see on this sheet, actually, I'm not exaggerating to say there's, there's dozens of questions relating to Tom Morris. Can I just get you as, as question of the week this week for the setting? Well, given, given the Herald Sun was fascinated by the, the story last week because it allowed them to, to highlight again what Tom Morrison did and, and how you, as, as a media proprietor, are now going to give him the second chance that I, I fully believe he deserves. Well, it's a bit of an awkward one because we haven't said anything until this point because we've been just exploring it. So it was reported in the... It's Herald. been doing the rounds for a while. I've, I mean, I, I haven't spoken to you about it, but I'd heard about it, I don't know, five weeks ago. Would that be about right? Or Again, yeah. I wouldn't report on that. It's not for me to report on. It's not, what yeah. I, so, not my side reporting, but I'd heard it. It's, it's, you've clearly spoken to it. So the state of play is we're having a, a really good look at it. There's a product on Sundays called Sunday Crunch Time, which Sarah Ollie is earmarked and hopefully will host. Huge and fan. she is outstanding. Huge I'll fan work of Sarah's Sarah. work. Huge fan of her work. And um, we'd been act- actively um, talking to Sarah about over the holidays about and the summer about whether she would join our network. And I'm really hopeful that that proceeds. So, and Sarah can be heard on AFL daily, regularly during the course of a week. Published 7.30am on yeah. AFL.com.au. I on think the Sarah's got huge upside in, in media and audio and build a fantastic career, and I think it can go a long, a long way, right? So we would be honoured to have Sarah. Sarah and Tom have a great relationship and have been friends for a long time, and a, a journalist on that program fits that show particularly well mm. on a Sunday. And if you wanted to take a purely journalistic view of the role, yeah, um, he is 
very, very good at what he does. Okay, so you, so you then so, layer that. No, 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 no I, I concur with all that. He, so that's, he, he was he was tracking as well as any journalist his age and stage yeah. was be, before what happened last year. So and, that's that's the that's the piece of work that we've been exploring. Right? Yep. Is could 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 Sarah join us? And how how would Sarah fit in over and above that? And could we build an audio career with Sarah? Yep. Um, that supports her AFL.com work um, or not? And that's for Sarah to, to determine. And then is Tom the right fit in that environment on a Sunday to work with someone who he has a very have you had good relationship? Have with? you had any pushback of, of any nature? I would hope you wouldn't have, but have you? I've had a few emails and uh, texts and all those things that I assumed would come anyway if we explore this. But what I would say more broadly is it, it's a, it's for Tom to tell his story. Yep, and he, I'm not imagining yep. he will. And I and he will do that regardless. And in what and I don't think the first time he does that will be with us. And that's not an objective of ours either. He's going to tell his story. Yep. I'm privy to the work that he's done on himself over the last year. Yep. I'm not here to defend the behaviour at the time. No, you, but he has well, you done, don't need to. You, you didn't, and we, and we didn't. But no has, one did. What he, has, he didn't. What he has done is an enormous amount of work on himself. And others will judge whether that was needed, how much of it, too much, too little. Everyone's going to have an opinion. But I'm privy to the way he's gone about the last year and how he has worked on himself. Um, he's also very mindful of what work he does and how much of it and when and and how. And I'm a be- believer unashamedly leaving Tom to the left in redemption and in second chances. And yep. I'll just say that point blank. No, well, we've had we've had whole episodes on, on second chances. I've, I've had a million of them. Yeah, and you've said I've, that. Yep. I've been sacked, yep. suspended, sued. Yep. Uh, I made a horrible error at seven where I was given a second opportunity. As a leader of our business in the early days, I was a bit too hard on people, I think, who made blues. And I'm trying to be more empathetic of second chance as I get older because I was given so many. And whether it's with us or someone else, he is a um, he is a, a fine person who made a mistake. He deserves absolutely a second chance in our craft and someone needs to give it to him. Yep. And that won't suit everybody. And there are others that I've made harder calls on along the no, way. There, there are some people in keeping with how they carry themselves uh, who, who who don't want him to ever work again. I mean, that that's out there, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, in, you know, in empathy and second chance and forgive, and they're all traits of Christianity that go back. Hmm. We've, we've all lost sight of that along the way. Now, that's not to defend. I, I hope he does get this opportunity through you, Hachi, because I'm like you. have got the same views when it comes. To, we don't often share views, but I've got the same views with second chances. Now, there's degrees of second chance and how serious the infringement was, and, and Thomas was a very serious one, but but it has cost him a, a career trajectory, which, which, was, which was tracking beautifully, wasn't it? And, and deservedly so, it cost him all that. But the second chance was always deserving to come. And if it's coming roughly 12 months after the, the day, well, well, if it wasn't 12 months, to me it was going to be 18 months or two years, but it was always going to come. And I'm really glad that if it's not this role that you've offered, that it's going to be something I would imagine so, yeah. this year. So I think there's an opportunity here for us on a Sunday and with Sarah, and we'd love to explore that. And hopefully that comes to be. If it doesn't, that'll be a shame for both for both parties. But um, I hope it does, and I don't. You know, and I, I'm prepared to deal with and accept the emails and the critics that come with that. Yep. All right. Well, that that, that summarises um, a lot of questions that relate to that. I hope we've covered. I think it more, off more broadly, a... as a as a as a business and our identities, everyone um, that I've spoken to internally is on board with that premise. But there'll be everyone will have a view. Yep. 
All right, that was question of the week for the sounding board, and that wraps up episode three of. What happened to our hammerheads content? We were going to talk about that off the very, very top, weren't we? What happened? Overwhelming demand for a bonus. You're a (laughs) co-host. You you can jump in any time, and you often do. What we'll do either this week or the next week or the week after, we'll do two minutes on the club and the hammerheads in the main body, and then we'll do a thirty-minute carve out. How about that demo? Does that work? (laughs) Yeah, it works. Yep. Hammerheads, just remind people who have got no idea what we're talking about. The club reality be... show 20 years ago, which won a premiership. Uh, 88% said they wanted a bonus app on it on the uh, Twitter poll last week. All right. So we probably should have flagged this at the top of the show, shouldn't we? Well, you're your host. Well, you're some co-host. Sometimes you... I have to jump in and you know, pull you up a little bit. Well, you, you ambush it regularly. You don't, you don't you really run off a running sheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was episode three, series eight of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, Choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email the sounding board at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.